Lord God, on this Reformation Day, we give you praise that the glorious message of the gospel was brought back to its rightful place of prominence by the work of Martin Luther and other reformers who stood up boldly for the sake of the good news. Help us, O Lord, to take our part in the Reformation today to point people to you. For Jesus' sake, amen. Please be seated. This is Reformation Sunday. The actual date is October 31st, of course. The Reformation of the 16th century had something of a revolutionary nature to it, and that became obvious in several different ways over the course of time. But first and foremost, the Reformation of the 16th century was a theological revolution. It had to do with matters pertaining to God, what God has done for mankind, what God thinks of us, how God responds to us as sinners, and our relationship with Him through our Savior Jesus Christ. The problem, of course, back in those days was a theological problem that uh, pertained to an idea, a concept that was part and parcel of the theology of the church of Luther's day. It was the idea that you have to do something to make yourself right with God. That you have to do so many good works to earn God's favor, to earn a place in heaven. We call it, for short, works righteousness. That we have to do good works to please God. And to underscore the idea of works righteousness arose the practice of the sale of what were called indulgences. Indulgences, pieces of paper blessed by the Pope that made great promises about the afterlife. The Dominican friar named John Tetzel was commissioned by the Pope back in the 16th century to go around the villages of Germany and sell these indulgence papers to the German peasants. And of course, the average German peasant just wanted to know that they would go to heaven. And so they bought them. This particular photo that, that is on the screen now shows an actual indulgence. Uh, the indulgence paper. It's on display in the Luther Museum in Wittenberg, Germany. We were there two years ago. That museum used to be Martin Luther and his wife's house. It is now the largest museum of Lutheran history in the world. The sale of indulgences was based on another theological concept. The belief and the teaching of the church of that time that there is a holding place between hell and heaven, a place called purgatory, where you go to be purged of your sins. And you're purged of your sins by the good deeds and prayers of your loved ones who are still alive on earth. You await the day when you're sprung free from purgatory to enter into heaven. And these indulgences allegedly had the power to shorten one's stay in purgatory. 
They also had the power, as it was taught, to free your loved ones who are already there from purgatory. So if you purchased one, you could purchase one on their behalf and set them free. So people would drop their coins in a coffer, a coin box. That's an actual one that's on display in the museum in Wittenberg. John Tetzel had a little jingle. They, they had a little chorus group sing as people would drop their coins in the coffer. It went like this. When the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. The German peasants were all well-meaning people. They just wanted the assurance of eternal life and so they dropped their coins. They paid their money. The money was used for two main purposes. Part of the funds were used to pay off the personal debts of one of the archbishops of the church who had made this deal with the Pope. The rest of the money was used to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, the largest Christian church of its day. During this time, Martin Luther was a professor of theology at the University of Wittenberg, and he was also a parish priest, which meant he needed to study the Bible to prepare lectures on theology for his students and to prepare sermons for Sunday morning worship. As Martin Luther became aware of the sale of these indulgences, he just knew there was something not quite right about this. And so he set forth to study the scriptures to understand whether there was any biblical support for the concept of indulgences. And as he studied the word of God, he came to the clear conclusion that there was no basis for this. And he began to then write down what turned into 95 statements opposing the practice of the sale of indulgences. They were known as his 95 theses, statements in opposition to this entire practice. And then on October 31st, 1517, Luther posted his 95 theses on the door of the castle church in Wittenberg. Now, it may seem a little strange to our modern ears to hear of somebody nailing a piece of paper on the church doors. Please, don't nail anything to the outside of our church doors. There are better ways to communicate. But in that day and age, you see, that was the common manner for scholars from the university to invite discussion, dialogue, and debate on various important topics, theological or otherwise. It was what you commonly did to engage discussion. And Martin Luther felt that this was a way to begin the, the conversation, and he thought that by the time these 95 theses got to the Pope, certainly the Pope would see that this practice was erroneous and not biblical, and he would certainly do the right thing and undo this entire process. Little did Luther know, the Pope was very much behind it all. This is what that church looks like today in Wittenberg. 
The doors are on the side, although the original wooden doors are long gone. And the door is now a bronze-plated door which has the 95 theses engraved on it. If you show the next picture, that's what it looks like today where you can read the 95 theses. They're posted in Latin, but you can read them there. But that event on October, October 31st, 1517, was the spark that ignited the Reformation movement, or what we are calling today a Reformation revolution. Well, Martin Luther continued to study the Scriptures in their original languages, Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek in the New Testament. And through his study of the Scriptures, he himself came to a personal ever clearer understanding of the gospel, the good news message about Jesus the Savior. It was through his study of the Word that God broke through his own personal confusion about God, and it was revealed to him the truth about God's love in Christ Jesus. And the book of Romans was especially significant for Luther's understanding. I want to reread just a portion of that section from Romans chapter 3. And this is from the New Living Translation. St. Paul writes these words, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are, how true that is. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Wow. Marvelous words of St. Paul. And those words express the heart of the Christian faith. They express the truth, friends, that we are saved not by good works but by the undeserved love, for God, love of God for us in Christ Jesus who died in our place, who forgives our sins and gives us the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus, our Savior. The most important question I can ask you today is this. Do you believe that for yourself? If you get nothing else out of this Reformation sermon, I pray that it's this, that you know in your heart of hearts and believe that Jesus died for you, 
that by his death on the cross, your sins are wiped away, and that through your faith in him, not only are you forgiven, but you already have been given the gift of eternal life in heaven with your Savior. That matters more than anything else. And that biblical truth that we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus apart from the works of the law, that truth transformed Martin Luther's life. And it became the central message of the Reformation. That message of God's grace changed the world forever. But you know what? That message might not have ever been heard had it not been for another revolutionary change that happened about the same time. And that was a technological change, namely the invention of the printing press with movable type. Johann Gutenberg's printing press gave wings to the gospel message that it had never really had before. This is a picture of an actual replica of Gutenberg's printing press in the Gutenberg Museum in Mainz, Germany. We were there two years ago. That actually works. They demonstrated that for us while we were there. But what I want you to really stop and think about and stop and really consider is the revolutionary power of duplication, of being able to make multiple copies of a document. This was a phenomenal revolution, a technological one. We need to remember that prior to the printing press, every document, every book had to be copied by hand. That had been the case for all of history up till this time. Every document, every single book had to be hand copied, which made every document a rare, hard to get a hold of, and very, very expensive, which is why most of the German peasants of, of uh, Luther's day could not afford to have their own Bible, much less even understand how to read it. What I want you to see is that at its heart, the Reformation was about Martin Luther matching the gospel message of Jesus' love to the new platform of the printing press. A key component of the Reformation revolution was technology. And Luther seized upon that technology and duplicated the message of Jesus and get to get it out to the whole known world. So now let's bring this all into the 21st century. Today, as you're well aware, social media is the new platform to leverage for the sake of the gospel. In your pew rack, you may very well have one of these cards that says how to connect with Shepherd on one side, and on the other side, it lists the various social media that our congregation makes use of. Uh, we'll put this up on the screen now, and I want you to be aware of the many ways that Shepherd of the Desert is making use of today's technology to communicate the gospel. 
And more than that, to make it more personal for you, I want to ask you to consider the many ways that you could take an active role in using this technology platform. Even if you don't use all of these social media venues, could you possibly, for example, invite a friend or a coworker or someone you know to go and visit our church website and mention to them that if they would like, they can listen to our sermons or watch the videotaped sermons from the Mountain View campus? Maybe if you're on, on Facebook, you could like our Facebook account because if you like it, then all of your contacts and friends will have a connection to Shepherd of the Desert as well. In whatever media you are involved, I encourage you to take an active role in using this technology for today's Reformation Revolution to get the word out. The world is a lot smaller today than it was in 1517. You can send an email message from your desk to someone on the other side of the globe, and they get it just like that. How might you use email to share the message of Jesus' love for a person? Maybe it's sending a message on their birthday, their anniversary, another special event in their life, getting the word out that Jesus loves them. You have the power to do that. It's a technology platform, but it really isn't all that different from what Martin Luther did. But there's one more platform I want to talk about. It's the one that is unique to you alone. It concerns the unique opportunities that come to you in your particular life situation, opportunities to point people to God. I want you to see a recent example of someone who did just that. I want you to watch this video, and at the beginning there's an introduction about the person that is going to do uh, just that, seizing the opportunity at this platform that he has. Um, I want to dedicate this to my drummer, Kenny. Uh, he, uh, he started with this. He started with me coming out of Chattanooga off Facebook. People didn't think we would make it. He was with me the whole time. He was so supportive of me. And I just, I love you, man. I miss you. Um, the band misses you. Uh, Kane's speech, man, I don't, I don't even know if Kane's here anymore, but I just want to lift up Kane and his family. And I want to lift up his drummer and their family. Um, I don't know if this is very conventional, but can I just pray really fast? Is that okay with everybody? Uh, Father God, we love you so much. Um, loss is something that we can't comprehend. And so right now I pray that you would be with Cain and his family and his drummer Kenny and his family and uh, bring them peace that only you know how to bring somebody. And uh, 
Thank you for this night. God bless country music. We love you, Jesus, uh, and, in, and in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much. Appreciate it. Well, this has been a very inspirational, emotional night, and I thank God and Thomas Rhett. God bless you for praying in front. You're special. You're special. That took guts. But as you said, you said that might not be aired on this, but he knows it better be aired. <laughs> better make the cut. Thomas Rhett used his platform to point people to God. And I like uh, this quote that, was, that Pastor Scott provided at the end of that video, that ministry is using the platforms you're given to point people to God. So what is your platform? You do have one, you know. It's unique to you. And the question is, how do you and how will you leverage your platform to communicate the gospel message. Martin Luther used his platform for the sake of the gospel. It was a Reformation revolution. But you know what? Reformation is not simply an historical event, a piece of the past. Reformation is needed today in our world. And God is calling you and me to take an active role in a modern-day Reformation revolution using our own unique platforms to point people to God. And friends, that reformation begins the moment we leave this place of worship and engage the world around us. So, how will you point someone to God today? A very blessed Reformation Sunday to you. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.